you need to make services personal because once you make it personal, the whole experience changes. What can we as businesses, as organizations do to make work more efficient, to have an ability to use the workplace to attract and retain talent, to make it more fun, engaging, inspiring to come to work because we don't need to anymore. I mean, the technology allows us to work from anywhere we want. Because I would actually argue that the workplace is probably one of the biggest culture enablers that you can work with in an organization. There's a lot of organizations talking about we need to break down the silos between the various departments. Want to start with doing that, then start by breaking down the physical silos, the department silos. If you hide people away, constructed silos in the workplace, and it's going to be very difficult to break that those organizational silos. So moving into open plan spaces and moving into people where they can accidentally bump into each other, have water cooler talks and coffee machine talks and open plan meeting spaces where you could just have that ad hoc meeting that you want to have that's only 10 minutes, just catching up on a, a few items. That's how you want to work on some of the design elements in your office. Hello and welcome to the Constructor Podcast, the future of the built environment. I'm your host, Brittany Campbell-Turner, and this podcast is dedicated to helping property owners have certainty in their decisions about their construction projects. We talk about fostering trusting relationships, help you to understand how to lower risk of being under budget and on schedule, and most importantly, exceed your end user's desires. Welcome to this episode of the Constructor Podcast. Last week, I had the pleasure of having a really fun conversation co-hosting a show with Bill Devevic, the host of the BIM Thoughts Podcast. And we interviewed Maliki Matthews, where he's the senior lecturer in the School of Architecture Technological University in Dublin. And he's the leader for BIM, blockchain, and collaborative teaching and learning. He researches BIM pedagogy, BIM anthropology, and BIM and blockchain. Bill and I discuss some of his notable research. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, check it out at constructor.com slash Maliki Matthews. That's M-A-L-A-C-H-Y-M-A-T-H-E-W-S. Today's episode will be a replay of my interview with Peter Ankersterney, second vice chair of IFMA Board of Directors and founder and director of Service Marketing International, IVS. At the time of this interview, he was the CMO at ISS, providing quality experiences for all of the 500,000 employees at ISS and the clients that they serve. In this episode, he speaks about how ISS was adopting the vested approach about the change that is happening in facilities management and how it's affecting the focus on recruiting and retention and the use of technology like Internet of Things. Last but not least, we discussed the importance of service management. Here is my interview with Peter Ankersterney. Listen in. ISS is one of the largest facility management companies in the world with over 500,000 employees. ISS, along with the Copenhagen Institute of Future Studies, who we've interviewed uh, in past interviews, is doing a bit of research on how to prepare for the future of global facilities management through a 2020 vision. And many are trained on the vested approach, which we spoke about last week with Kate Vitasek. So before we get into all of that, our guest is 
Peter Ankersterney, who is the CMO at ISS and a board member at IFMA. So, Peter, welcome to the Constructor Podcast. Thanks, Brittany. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's talk a little bit about ISS being trained in the vested approach. We just spoke with Kate Vitasek, and we understand you are currently contracted with Accenture right now under a vested partnership. Um, so could you tell us, you know, a little bit about that and how that enables ISS to provide better services? I mean, we started the journey on Vested, I think it was three years ago. Met uh, Kate a couple of times uh, via the International Association of Outsourcing Professionals, IAOP, and also through IFMA. I really like the work that she does, uh, and, and the whole Vested approach seems very sort of logical for a next-level partner supplier, customer supplier type partnership. So we got into that. We began to train a lot of our people uh, invested, also some of our customers in the concepts and in the process. And then um, this year, uh, we signed our first vested contract with Accenture in the Netherlands. That was a big breakthrough for us, uh, signing the first contract. It was very important for us. So what vested does for us is it allows us to get closer to our, our customers. It allows us to move from a very typical input specification type of contract outsourcing relationship into a more outcome focused type of relationship that frees up resources and that frees up innovation power and allows us to move even closer to our customers to really understand what are some of their problems, what are some of the challenges and pain points within the areas that we are working with. And I do believe that provide a much better and a much more integrated service into the customer's organization. I think it is really about that notion that Kate is talking about, what's in it for we instead of what's in it for me. A typical you know, supplier, a customer relationship is a very sort of power-based type of, of relationship. And through Vested, you sort of turn it around and you begin to sit at the same side of the table and trying to understand and, and develop solutions on some problems where you can set up common set of KPIs, you can base it on more transparency, you have more trust in the relationship. In our experience in ISS, that's only positive things will actually come out of that. And it does allow you to be much more close to your customer and actually deliver services that actually fulfill a need, both stated, but certainly also some needs that are unstated in the contract that does provide for a better long-term strategic relationship. That's really helpful. And I always go back to the question just kind of in my head, right? So if you're, if you're working in a vested approach, sometimes a client, happy if you don't want to talk about Accenture particularly, but I'm just kind of thinking through, a lot of times clients, they want to drive costs down. Yeah. Long-term, they're looking to do that. Does that somehow affect how you guys are thinking about working with different clients because they're potentially hoping to drive costs down and maximize the efficiencies? Or do you really find that from a service provider standpoint that is now sitting at the table and being looked at as more partner and advisor, do you feel like that is really inconsequential now because of the long-term relationship? How does that perspective play out? Yeah, I, th I think it's a very good question. I think there will always be a cost component, and I think that's absolutely fair. I don't think companies necessarily uh, would outsource to the same level if there wasn't a big sort of win or efficiency drive or reduced cost 
within that relationship. And I, I think that's absolutely fair. I think driving out efficiencies in the relationship is a very admirable and good focus. Uh, of course, we should always try to be more efficient and, and effective in terms of what we're doing. So we have no problems. Part of the target is to drive down cost. But that's just a KPI that we can agree on. So if a customer comes to us and say, listen, I like to work close with you. We believe in what you do. We would like to set up a vested partnership. And one of the KPIs that we need to look at is to drive down 20, 25, 30% cost savings. And the way vested work, I think it's a very good, clean cut, straightforward KPI that you can work with. And, and then the whole notion is to say, okay, fine, you got that target. Let's work together on realizing that target because the old sort of ways of dealing with suppliers and customers, a relationship is to say, you know, I want to drive down cost. I want to hit you and you're going to give me some of those savings. And if you make less money in that process, then I, as a, as a customer, I'm very happy because then, you know, it needs to hurt your, your bottom line. So I need to make sure that I get the right savings. So that's a different way of thinking about it. Why should it hurt our bottom line? And, and why would we then do it? What would be our incentive to do that? I think customers and suppliers alike need to look into these types of relationships in a different way to say, okay, what can we do together to drive down some of these efficiencies that we are looking for? How can we bring our expertise to the table? How can the customer open up and create some transparency to look for savings? Maybe it's in the direct relationship with the supplier, or maybe it's in the way that we are working together that we can actually realize some of these efficiencies. The vested approach is a very good way of doing that because sometimes it is just not what's on the table directly in front of you where you'll find the savings. It's in the sort of periphery of what it is you're doing, transferring some people, getting savings in terms of using different sub-suppliers and bulking services in a different way that you thought of before. And I really think that's where the synergies and the efficiencies come out when you work at it like that. And you're using the expertise that is available in the relationship. And I think that's the key for us. And that's also why we believe that Vested is, is really good also to drive further cost efficiencies in the relationship. Some people believe that Vested is a different way of not looking at cost. No, it's not. It's just one of the KPIs that you want to look at. It just looks at it in a more informed and intelligent way that some of the more sort of command and control type of relationships are doing. I love that feedback. Thanks for that perspective. No, you're welcome. <laughs> I think that there's a change in how we're approaching the AEC industry and, and how we're doing integrated contracts and, and what have you. And I think that the vested approach is really transforming the facilities management but I think there are other changes taking place. It's more specific to just how people are going to end up working in the space versus like managing the building itself. I mean, I think that's been the focus of FM up to this point, but I feel like workplace is really now the focus of FM. And I'm curious as to your thoughts about that. Definitely. Um, there's a lot of change going on. And it's, it's funny because I don't think there's ever been a more exciting time to be in FM than now. So much going on in terms of the workplace and how the workplace is developing. The way we work, I suppose, the whole purpose of the workplace is to support how people work. 
And then also with the new technologies that are coming in, both in terms of us individuals, you know, the way we're working and the way we're set up to work. And then also the technology supporting the whole facilities uh, management profession is, is just it's changing every aspect of the industry as we know it. And I think that's hugely exciting. But staying with the, of the workplace, so we're actually doing a new report together with the Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies that we'll release in December called The Future of Work, Workforce and Workplace. And one of the conclusions from that report is to say that facility management and corporate real estate needs to find some new best friends uh, within the workplace. And HR, the HR function is definitely one of these new friends that we need to, to get much closer with because... And, and you can even argue that should FM and corporate real estate begin to report into the HR function or merge with the HR function? And, and we're seeing that already with some clients and some businesses around the world. And I think we'll see much more of that as we move forward. Because the whole idea is to say, what can we as businesses, as organizations do to make work more efficient, to have an ability to use the workplace to attract and retain talent to make it more fun engaging inspiring to come to work because we don't need to anymore i mean the technology allows us to work from anywhere we want i mean if i want to sit and concentrate in, in my daily work life i would work from home at home i don't get disturbed as often as i do in the office if i want to get disturbed if i want to get some coaching or some inspiration want to talk with my team members want to talk to customers then you know i go to work and so, so we need to understand as facility managers that the whole notion of why we work and the purpose of the work we do is changing. And even to an extent where you will find that the workplace as an experience will be emerging. And that's what we're also seeing in, in our research is to say it's, it's not only about workplace productivity and workplace efficiency. It's also the workplace as an experience. And we will see people coming to work to say, Today, I don't need to do concentrated work, so I'm here to meet with my clients, meet with my colleagues. I'm here to, to have some fun, uh, to be social, to network. I'm here to have the great coffee or the good lunch uh, and the canteen and just be part of that community that is important, a part of our work life. And I think that's something we will see increasing uh, as we go forward. That's the big difference and the big shift that is moving from sort of the workplace of the 20th century into the workplace of the 21st century uh, that we are just seeing the emergence of in various forms. WeWork is, is one of the, uh, the whole co-working type of uh, movement is definitely some of the organizations that we are looking very closely at to get some inspiration and, and see if that's something we want to bring into the more corporate uh, workplace environments. So there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of stuff happening in the space at the moment, which makes it really, really exciting. That's really exciting. And in addition to that, like, that's very interesting, the combination of the facilities and design and construction and working with HR. But at the same time, I, the initiatives that human resources, they're focused on, it's more so geared towards how do you make sure that people are healthy in their workplace, right? It's more geared to how are people perceiving their jobs, right? Do they want to stay? Is it somewhere that Someone actually wants to get hired and, you know, is that building somewhere they would like to work in on a day-to-day -day basis? Do they feel that they have enough? You know, they want to have fun, like you said. My client where I serve at now, they have foosball tables, they have video game consoles. It's really nice that 
it's encouraged to have people just kind of take a breather and fellowship, if you will, with their colleagues and build relationships with their colleagues in a way that is outside of the typical accepted, you know, work meeting. When it comes to us thinking about how do we design and how do we manage spaces around that, it really takes a culture shift for many different departments in the organization, including technology. Yeah, definitely. Now, you didn't mention IT combining with those other groups, which many times they're separate. And I'm curious as to how that would would work out. But, you know, those are my initial thoughts. FM and corporate real estate management have worked with IT for a while. And of course, we've also worked with the HR. But I think uh, the role of HR is also changing. HR needs to be more curators of the office. They need to make sure that they are involved, that the whole cultural thing. And we've renamed our HR department in ISS to people and culture. Because that what it's all about. It's not only about the resources and, and making sure we got the right resources at the right given point in time. That's, of course, also part of what we do. But how do you drive that culture in the organization? And how can you design the workplace to drive a specific culture? Now, it's not all about, you know, there was a great article out a couple of months ago about, you know, how steep should our slide be into the canteen? Because everybody wants to be like Google And I don't think anybody should be like Google because that's Google and that's what they do. And they do that very, very well. And it depends a little bit what industry you're in and what kind of target group that you are designing your your workplace for. Is it only millennials and the generation Z that are coming into the market? Then maybe there should be a slide or foosball table or a skateboard ramp outside or something like that. But many of the other organizations that we're working with, that's just not relevant. And you need to make sure that you design develop your workplace to fit the culture that you have and the culture that you aspire to have uh, in the organization. Because I would actually argue that the workplace is probably one of the biggest culture enablers, together with leadership, of course, that you can work with in an organization. There's a lot of organizations talking about we need to break down the silos between the various departments. Want to start with doing that, then start by breaking down the physical silos the department silos, if you hide people away in constructed silos in the workplace, and it's going to be very difficult uh, to break that those organizational silos as well. So moving into open plan spaces and moving into people where they can accidentally bump into each other, have water cooler talks and coffee machine talks and, and open plan meeting spaces where you could just have that ad hoc meeting that you want to have that's only 10 minutes, just catching up on a, a few items. That's how you want to work on some of the design elements in your office. I think any big Fortune 500 companies are working with that at the moment. See that also transcend into the, the SMEs as, as we move along for this. And, and of course, a lot of the creative, uh, you know, Silicon Valley type of organizations, Google, of course, big one, Apple, Facebook, some of these types of organizations are leading the way in terms of this type of workplace design and organizational engagement. That is really important part. And it's going to be a very important part of the FM work to move forward, that we as facility managers need to know this stuff. Not only do we need to know it, we need to know how you can enable it, facilitate the process around that, both from a construction point of view and a design point of view, but definitely also from a workplace experience point of view as you move along, as you work on activating these type of workplaces on a day-to-day level. So interesting. I love this stuff. So I did want to ask you, 
you're partnered with IBM to investigate innovative ways to use tech to improve delivery on a day-to-day basis. So could you tell us a little bit about some of the solutions that you're investigating right now? Absolutely. In terms of the, the workplace experience, we made an acquisition and bought a, um, a smaller Nordic-based design and space management company called Signal uh, that we're moving into that whole workplace experience and workplace design uh, type of agenda. Uh, and then we did something similar on the technology side because we do believe workplace experience is going to be a very big component of our future and of the future of the industry. And another big part of our future and also the future of the industry, we believe, is, of course, technology. So last summer, we signed a big partnership agreement, a strategic partnership agreement with IBM. That partnership agreement is really focused on three aspects. One is changing the IWMS system that we were having before into a IBM Trireka platform that we're working with, which is, we believe, a more comprehensive and more open platform. So it allows us to also connect with other technologies and other aspects of our business and, and, and use data uh, in a different way. Do you mind, Peter, really quick, just explaining what an IWMS system is? No, <laughs> sorry, uh, integrated workplace management system. So it, it sort of combines some of these things we are talking about. Of course, the computer-aided facility management processes, but also the whole workplace integration around uh, you know, how you actually manage uh, your facilities, uh, the activities that are going on, add moves and changes, all that stuff wiring, energy management, and all this stuff that's combined in one big system. Then the next area that we've looked into is, is what we call at ISS integration at ISS. That's actually a workforce optimization system. IBM, they use a platform called CPLEX. Workforce optimization is to make sure that you're using your workforce in the most optimal way, both in terms of timing of task capabilities, how long it takes to do a task, and then also logistics. So you don't send people from the 10th floor down to the basement to pick something up or do a task that they're only qualified to do, but you work with the cross-training and multitasking of employees in order to make sure that they can carry out the task in the most optimal way using algorithms and stuff like that to to optimize the, the workforce according to that. So if you sort of pool all your facility management resources in one big pool and you add to every element you have in your workplace, you know, a table, a chair, a toilet, a boiler, an HVAC system, whatever it is, and you put sort of the work plan around that asset and then the capabilities needed to maintain and service that asset, then you can actually calculate an optimal way of using your, your workforce. There's a big, big potential in that. And then, of course, combining that with the whole service mentality, allowing people to provide a great, extraordinary service experience when they interact with the end user and the guests of the house or the building that you So that's number two technology that we are looking into. And then number three technology is, of course, uh, Watson IoT um, or sensor technology, the whole cognitive part around, you know, machine learning, using sensors to servicing, smart building type of things uh, around what is the usage of the building, how people, you know, you can do heat maps so you can plan your cleaning accordingly. You can put sensors on the uh, HVAC system so you don't send uh, technicians out to maintain a system that doesn't need maintenance, but you send people out to maintain it or services. At the moment, it needs services and use that cognitive element to Sure, yeah, you do it before it breaks down or before you, the filter clocks up or whatever it is, you know, to 
we're filling up our workplace now with sensor technology and all sorts of sensors, smart sensors, in order to really drive that level of efficiencies into the workplace and optimize the whole workplace experience also using technology. And that opened up some entirely new avenues of both in terms of savings and optimizations that we can do for our customers, but it also opened up new avenues in terms of creating and predicting behavior that we can go in then prepare for that before it actually happens. That is just something that offers a huge, huge potential. And that's going to drive efficiencies down double-digit numbers at the moment that we are looking into that. Of course, up to uh, you know, the customer uh, together with their service provider to decide how we want to use these efficiencies. Do we just want to take the money and run? Or, or do we want to use those efficiencies that we can drive through some of these uh, using the technology in a different way to then work on increasing that workplace experience that we are talking about? Because, of course, that doesn't come for free. And for that, we're using what we call service design thinking, customer journeys, that type of thing that we go in and map. What are the critical aspects in the life of an employee in this organization? You know, from when you come into the house or come into the building, or even from before coming into the building, finding a parking spot and entering the building, moving through the building, finding a free desk, sitting at the desk, getting, you know, coffee or soda or whatever, going to lunch, going to meetings, picking up mm -hmm. packages and picking up things that are relevant for you and your work, having guests visiting and that type of thing. Each of those touch points you can then optimize using technology and then provide an extraordinary experience. A very short, brief example. One of the things we're seeing a lot is people coming in, guests coming in, visiting, and they have to register at the reception. Is there any way you can use technology to make that a more seamless, effective experience? Of course there is. Why do you actually register at the reception desk? You can do that before. You can do that when you send out the invitation in the first place. So when people come in, report into the reception and say, you know, I have a meeting at my 10.30, can you get whoever I'm, I'm meeting? Um, and that becomes more of a service experience that you can offer people a cup of coffee or soda or something like that when they're waiting. You can send out a picture of guest has arrived, and that can also be completely made electronically that your guest has arrived, and you can come and pick him or her up in the reception. And you send that together with a picture of person. So if you haven't met them before, you avoid that awkward moment where you're going to go down in a, in a reception area full of guests, and you can go straight to the person that you're meeting with. So some of these things, in, in order to make life easier and make life more efficient, avoid awkward moments and avoid these pain points of queuing up, of filling in forms that you already have filled in or that you could fill in just on a simple email or something like that. Those are things that we're looking at now and, and something that will drive the efficiency and the experience of the workplace to completely different levels. That is very exciting. Well, and that adds that level of workplace experience, right? It makes people, again, they feel more fulfilled in their work, yeah. their built environment yeah. again, right?